0: this week on a lively experiment what's next for speaker mattiello after his top campaign aide is indicted and no charges filed in the wyatt detention center protest case we'll talk about why a lively experiment is generously underwritten by for more than 30 years a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face rhode islanders I'm John Hazen White Jr., and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS. Joining us this week, Jim Vincent, president of the NAACP Providence Branch, former Rhode Island Attorney General Arlene Violet, and former State Representative Nick Gorham. Welcome, everybody. We appreciate you spending part of your weekend with us. Weeks after a grand jury looked into House Speaker Mattiello's 2016 campaign, the man who ran that campaign has been indicted on criminal charges. Jeff Britt now faces a felony count of money laundering, but his lawyer says Britt is being used as the fall guy. So the question becomes, will there be backsplash for Speaker Mattiello? Arlene, let me begin with you. We have the political fallout and the legal fallout. Tell me about, some people had said money laundering, it's only 2000 You know, is the AG using the sledgehammer on a nail here? Give me the legal analysis. Well,
1: well what basically he did, though, is fit the facts uh, to what the law is. So it was perfectly appropriate for Peter Nerona, the attorney general, to charge that. Okay. Uh, Nick, your thoughts about that?
2: Well, um, the... The political fallout is something to watch starting in January. Whenever there's mischief with the speaker, there's mischief on the floor, potentially. And, um, you know, sometimes when there's mischief on the floor, some good things get done among all the chaos. Uh, Sometimes chaos up there produces good results. Of course, I'm a Republican, and that's in some ways the only time you get good things done is when there's a little bit of uh, movement among leadership roles and so forth, but it's going to be an interesting session.
3: I don't think it matters how much money it was. Money laundering is money laundering. Uh, I think the interesting thing is that he said, his lawyer said, I'm not going to be the fall guy, so stay tuned for what that means. Is he blowing smoke, or or is he going to talk about something a little deeper than we know at this moment?
0: We certainly don't know what went on Mm. in the grand jury room, but you you have Mm. run enough of these some people were surprised that maybe Jeff Britt was the only one. They didn't call the speaker in, And the speaker said, "I really didn't know anything about that." What can we read
1: into that? Well, first of all, if you're going to be a target of that grand jury, you're not going call you anyway. You never get right. called in. So uh, <laughs> at least it's suggested to me that the Attorney General was potentially open for the development of that kind of uh, evidence. But looking at it, I really don't think this is going to become uh, Mr. Mattiello's Krypton, uh, precisely because I think there's not going to be a trial. Uh, I think this is going to be a case that gets settled probably for the misdemeanor uh, aspect of it. And I think without that trial dragging in toward the election, uh, he's going to escape but, but big, politically bad for. But fall. politically,
0: doesn't that look, if the, if Peter Narona, new attorney general, thinks doing doing a pretty good job, charges his big felony, it's a high profile case, and, and then
1: settles out for a misdemeanor at the end, doesn't that become a loss for him? Uh, I think he you have to go to that office and do it non-politically. So if that is the regimen typically uh, for charges, similarly charged, uh, I don't see that he's going to back off from that. Now, I could be wrong. There could be a trial. But I sincerely doubt it. Uh, And when push comes to shove, Robert Carrente, Brit's lawyer, has to evaluate and tell his client the chances for getting whacked, potentially with jail, versus having a plea bargain. Uh, and I think that weighs in favor of plea bargain. So a lot of
0: big talk now, but when when the rubber hits the road.
3: Yeah, well, I think uh, the, the audience is uh, the, the uh, people in the uh, Mediola's district, the Speaker's district, what they think about this whole thing, and uh, and also the General Assembly members, how they perceive it. So uh, ultimately, they're going to be the judge in terms of the Speaker's uh, rise or demise, Uh in terms of all of this
0: you know it's interesting the speaker said i didn't know anything Mm. about this and it's hard you know the critic would say well the speaker knows everything that goes on not only in what goes on in the chamber but in a campaign to make a decision that big that whole set of facts which we won't go over here but most people know to bring in your former gop rival then to be endorsing you through this mailer that's an
2: extraordinary thing i can't imagine that he didn't know i know he's stated emphatically that he didn't know but I ran a lot of tough campaigns when I was a state representative I almost always had tough campaigns and you know everything that's going on you know every mailer that's gonna go out I wrote most of mine myself Um, and You know, even if there is a plea deal, I don't think that's going to end the noise up on the House floor. People in this state want this aired out. They want to see what's going on up there. They've wondered for years what's going on. And a trial will do that. If a plea comes through, most people in this state, I think, are going to say, see, there you go again another deal. We're never going to find out what really happened. And And they're going to be dissatisfied. Yeah.
1: The statute of limitations is run, but for Jeff Britt, I think he had to uh, walk a line. If, for example, he told under oath the Board of Elections uh, that Mr. Mattiello didn't know about it, he really couldn't have changed the story because that would have added potentially Mm -hmm. another charge of perjury, right? So I, I think for all practical purposes, it's framed this litigation and the criminal case, and I maybe you're right, but I just don't see it going to but trial. This has
0: also sent out a message, and Peter Narona tried to do that, that don't blow off the Board of Elections. Absolutely. Because they ignored subpoenas, and the Board of Elections said we did. We went as far as we could, but we forwarded it
1: on, and,
0: and it and it sat until Peter Nirona came in. So that right. sends a pretty good Ex- message. Uh, right?
1: Yeah, and had to rush because of the statute of limitations. Not that he rushed it. He's a very thorough attorney general, but they were deadline. beating the clock okay. on a three-year statute of limitations. Yeah.
2: Nerona was the biggest winner in this because Why he did that? but because he did what we, he was supposed to do. It's, it sat in Kilmartin's office when he was attorney general, and aged and Kilmartin came in and he did what he promised to do when he ran for attorney general.
0: All right, we stay with... Uh, I
3: agree. You do? <laughs> yes, right. Peter Nerona looks really good on this one.
0: Well, how about on the next one we talk about? We're going to talk about the Wyatt uh, Detention Center <laughs> protest. Jim, let's stay with you. Yeah. The AG decided he had. He actually met with some of the right. protesters. You may remember this going back a couple of months. There was a, a correctional officer driving a truck in. Uh, the videotape showed a whole melee going on. Basically, Mr. Nerona said that i didn't feel that this rose to criminal negligence for anybody and i know some of the protesters are upset about that your view looking at that well, well i
3: i agree it didn't rise to criminal uh... in terms of the protesters but however the grand jury uh... said that there's no criminal criminality in terms of the the driver of the truck that allegedly hit some people as well as the guards who uh... pepper sprayed, pepper sprayed yeah. peaceful protesters so um, even though it was a grand jury decision and, and he's not going to criticize, Peter Navarro not going to criticize the grand jury. It did uh, surprise, I think, many people. It did surprise me that there was no action by the grand jury in terms of both the driver of the truck and the uh, guards that pepper spray those peaceful protesters. From what you looked
0: at, it, the video that we all saw, right. we didn't sit in the grand jury. What, what were you thinking the charge, potential charges might come out against the a-
3: truck driver? I I thought the charges were going to go uh, against the truck driver and the the guards that pepper sprayed the peaceful protesters. However, you know, in the grand jury, they have, they saw 70 videos and they interviewed 70 different people. I wasn't in the grand jury uh, proceeding. So maybe there's something I didn't see or that I didn't know. So that's what happened. But uh, it did surprise, I think, a lot of people that, uh, nobody was charged in the, in this case, uh, and I and I do think that maybe going forward, uh, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be very anxious in terms of peacefully protesting.
0: It's good we got the uh, a former AG here to walk us through all the yeah. legal uh, <laughs> sure legal imaginations. Well,
1: one of the reasons why prosecutors don't count their chickens before <laughs> they hatch is you never know what's going to happen, particularly in a grand jury. And frankly, I wonder. Uh, whether that usual pro stance toward law enforcement, be it a correctional guard or a police officer, had an influence. And secondly, uh, given the tenor of discussion in this country, I wondered to what degree it affected the grand jurors because these were protesters trying to stand up for immigrants. There's always a human factor and a human dimension going on, which can change anything. So, uh, But that has me pausing as to what influence those two factors had.
3: I agree with that, but if somebody uh, is in a truck and he, and he moves forward and he hits people, I think most people would say that that driver is wrong. There's no, under no circumstances should you be moving a truck when there's people in front of you. Uh, Under any circumstances, uh, you'd do something else. And I think uh, pepper spraying people, protesters, I don't know what rose to the occasion that they would do that. I mean, I don't care if they're protesting, whatever they're protesting, I mean, that's an egregious act, I thought, by those guards in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what the grand jury was looking at. Again, I'm not going to criticize them, but it it was uh, odd and I was surprised at uh, their decision.
2: I was surprised, too, especially with the truck. I just, I, I really thought there would be some type of charge. But uh, as Arlene said, you never know what's going to happen in a grand jury. Uh, this proves it again.
0: And given the given the video, they had a, you know everybody's a photographer now with the cell phone. The, the guard, the correctional officer, actually the, the Wyatt, having seen that video, off, said, oh, "You can resign, or we're likely going to fire you." <laughs> right. He resigned, and now he's thinking about getting his job <laughs> back. <Right>. So <laughs>
1: you never know what's
2: going to happen. I'd be sometimes. a little late for well, that.
1: Well, that's one of the reasons why when you ask the first question, I think there's not going to be a trial for Jeff Brett because you never know what the jury's going to do. All right, you know we have this
0: all on tape, so we're going to come back months yeah. from now and see what. <laughs> We'll get Arlene to come on and uh, tell us. All right. Uh, Nick, this one is for you. More machinations up at the uh, State House with uh, medical marijuana and hemp regulations. Who knew that hemp was so popular? <laughs> Apparently, Dawson Hodgson and some other people knew up there, uh, including some people on the speaker's team, about these regulations. Talk about separation of powers here because that's really what, what this goes to, right? Who's going to write the rules on these?
2: You're talking about the lawsuit yes. that the governor filed yes. uh, under the aegis of separation of powers, yes. contending that uh, the General Assembly has usurped the power of the executive branch by basically taking over the regulatory process. Well, as as the person who sponsored the separation of powers amendment, um, it's gratifying to see that separation of powers is finally being used by a governor, and that, that's going to be my kudos for this week. I think the governor uh, is using the Constitution to her advantage, as she should. I just wish it weren't hemp and marijuana hmm. that was the subject matter. Um, but, um, you know, I think she's right. There's an issue here. Uh, be interesting to see if this goes to court as well. This may also settle. Um, I hope it doesn't. I'd love to see how the courts come down on this issue. It's a very important issue. It's going to define to some degree the powers of the executive branch under the new amendment that was passed. Well, it's not new anymore. It was passed 15 years ago by more than 70% of the people in our state. It's going to be interesting to see how it uh, is parsed out by the courts.
3: What's interesting is that the speaker and the Senate president have stood down. I mean, they've pretty much agreed with the governor that there is a separation of powers uh, situation here. But she's
0: going forward anyway. She's
3: going forward, and they're they're wondering why she's doing that, and only she can explain that. But um, she is going forward anyway, so I guess the fact that she knew that they were thinking about using that veto... In terms of uh, medical marijuana, I guess that was enough for her to say, well, I I need to do this in terms of the Constitution.
1: Well, I think she's got a home run. She's going to win that Mm. litigation if it goes to final uh, adjudication. However, having said that, uh, I think she used a powerful leverage because I think they know, Mattiello being a lawyer, that she's going to win that lawsuit. Rather than be embarrassed, I think they're going to uh, withdraw Uh, the oversight and that may render and probably will render her lawsuit moot because there's no justiciable issue. They backed off on it. So that's what I think that's going to be. There won't be any decision ultimately because they'll back off.
2: Yeah, I think... um, But
0: you wish it had been litigated, don't back off and let's get that
2: question answered, it it may be litigated. It's really up to the governor. I mean, of course, a judge, in a case like this where you've got an offer from the other side to pull back, right? a judge is going to say, why don't you just wait till January or February before we go ahead with this? And the governor may want to go forward. But it's hard to say, gee, we have to go forward, even though I've got an offer from the other side that is basically a concession of the entire case. Um, we'll see if it ever gets heard. You know, can't let this go without saying what I think this is really about is who gets to hand out the goodies, the licenses for these marijuana uh, okay. Um, compassion centers and so forth. That's what the General Assembly was after. They want to hand out the goodies. They've always handed out the goodies. And that's, I think, what this lawsuit is really all about. Kudos to the governor for sticking up for the executive branch.
0: And you were in the middle of all that legislative grant stuff years ago, right? (laughs) This uh, has a
2: funny, familiar ring to it.
3: (laughs) And even if she does win the lawsuit, which she probably will, uh, isn't there still a role for the House Oversight Committee in terms of anything that happens with the executive branch anyway?
0: Yeah. Well, and a lot of this goes oh. on, Nick, as you know, even in the budget. We've mm-hmm. talked about line item veto so many times. So many things like the Dr. Pedro case, right? Yeah. That would not have been the chiropractor who got the million dollars. Th- it, that would have not been found. So they,
2: they bury it with oh, layers and it's layers. It's deeply buried. How it's... many hours did you spend trying to unbury it up it's there? An, uh... Many, 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 and it really, it's almost impossible to find things like that. It's just so intricately woven into the budget, um, and even the grants, you know, it's, it's hard to find out who's going to get what. They actually do it after the budget is passed, and it's really done by the Speaker and the President of the Senate, no question about it. Um, so.
1: Yeah, Even if the separation of powers doctrine wasn't implicated in this, it's poor government. We have a part-time legislature. How the heck are they going to monitor mm-hmm. all the issues that will arise out of the cultivation of uh, hemp slash marijuana, oils, etc.? They,
2: they, they, they're not even around to do it. Right, right. Well, uh, years ago, the Republicans in the House brought a lawsuit to challenge the grants, which is another goody uh, handing out uh, Procedure, A trick-or-treat, bag, a trick-or-treat bag from the General Assembly, the, the grants. Which we challenged the check the grants. would not
0: be cut until you voted for what the speaker wanted. It right? was
2: always cut after all the key votes. You know, after the session ended, that's when the grants were handed out by the leadership. You know, right. they're both appropriating and spending money. We took that challenge to the Supreme Court, and they, they knocked it out on standing, which is a fancy way of saying we don't want to hear the case. Right
3: to be continued. Yeah, it will
0: be. Mm. All right, this is a big Newsweek. Uh, the RICAS scores came out. You remember a year ago there was a big uh, hoo-ha because they were delayed until after the election. I always wonder, too, these are now, they're taken in the spring. Why do we not announce them until the fall? So marginal improvement, but the new Ed Commissioner says we need to do more, which I think is probably, you know, right on point.
3: Well, I think she said we need to do more of what she should have said. We need to do a lot more because uh, marginal, you're being kind, with 3% or whatever, mm. was still like 15, 20 percent behind Massachusetts, uh, right over the, over the state line. No, we're in a crisis in terms of education. Uh, the the, the, the uh, Hopkins report said that the Providence Public Schools is one of the worst public school systems in the country, not in New England, the country. So we're in a crisis situation, and we have to uh, d- create fundamental change. I, I know that people are looking at uh, uh, the, the charter schools in terms of what they're doing right, as opposed to the public schools. Longer school day or maybe longer school year, Hey, all that needs to be on the table. We need more English, uh, more speakers of different languages, especially Spanish, in there, people that are bilingual and bicultural. That's a must. And above all, we need more teachers of color in those systems, not just in Providence, statewide. 45% of the state are children of color. 45 and growing, and I think it's in single digits in terms of the teachers of color. Study upon study says says that that has a bigger impact on learning than almost anything, and I know there's about 100 variables that go into the education system, but of all those variables, that's probably number one, and they need to get on it and get on it fast.
0: The discussion at the legislature every year, and I know you've been out for a while, but, you know, the legislature would always kind of get involved and then kind of to there seems to be everybody has to be on the same page because there's monkeying around the goes on during the session, get a plan, follow it, and have legislative backup, right?
2: Yes. And if you look at the General Assembly's involvement with education, the most significant thing they did was uh, collective bargaining, the evergreen, uh, you know, really. Uh, I agree with everything Jim said, that those are the reforms that we need. Uh, but the other thing that we really have to consider as a state is we have made Rhode Island the most attractive place for people to come from, uh, especially people who have uh, uh, not as, uh, who really are impoverished, who uh, speak only one language that is in English. Uh, we've made uh, Rhode Island one of the most attractive places to come, and, and it's, it's worked fabulously. Uh, the people who come here are blameless. You you can't blame them for wanting to come to Rhode Island. We offer more benefits, we we offer more inducements to come here, but the but the corollary of that is seen best in the Providence schools. Uh, they're overwhelmed. Uh, many of the kids who come into the Providence schools don't. Uh, some of them don't have any education, mm. and they don't speak any English, and you can't expect that school system to be able to address those kinds of problems without the reforms that Jim is talking about.
1: Bravo for Jim's comments as well. As you know the Commissioner wants a five-year plan. Rhode Island Foundation soon is going to announce a ten-year plan. However, I want to focus on a Providence Journal editorial Uh, that commented, I think, about the fact that they hate that it's even a five-year plan. The reason is in three years from now, the governor is out. Mm -hmm. We're going to be in the midst of a new election. We'll be seeing lobbying potentially going on with candidates to dial back some of the reforms because the unions will potentially be trying to keep their turf, et cetera. So uh, I, I just hope and pray that we get on the dime, do this hopefully in a three-year process, because I think potentially we jeopardize if we drag it over to a new election. You get
3: the final word on this. Well, it's, it's not going to be a five-year process. It should be a 15- to 20-year process. We are the worst in the country. It's not going to be done in five years. And we have other cities in the country that have similar populations, and they don't have the same problems. You know, so we need to look at what other cities are doing with the same populations that we have Okay, we're not unique in this in this country and take a a page out of their playbook and make it better. And we need to make it a system that that serves our children as opposed to serving adults.
0: Okay, let's go to outrages. Then we'll do some national. Arlene, do you have an outrage or a kudos this week?
1: I uh, have both in the sense that it will either be an outrage or a kudos. You're very versatile. Depending upon how this issue turns out. (laughs) Background, I was uh, out of state, and I saw a CEO come on television from a casino. And he was telling the people in the ad, you can bid up to $1,000, we will match you, and you can play blackjack with a live dealer. I said, wow. Next commercial break, another one comes out from another casino, $500 to match with a live uh, uh, dealer. Okay. Why am I bringing this up? Well, Alan Hasenfeld is correct. First of all, we don't even know the face of gambling uh, and how it's going to be 20 years from now, so what are we even thinking about a 20-year contract for? Because technology changes, we don't even know if there will be a, a physical casino, et cetera, and where are the protections for the state relative to it getting out of such a contract, uh, et cetera. And also, Hasenfeld's right, that uh, you should look at the 17 years that IGT has had this contract and evaluate it. So, therefore, without question, there needs to be an independent analysis from someone in this field as to every constituent element of that contract. So it will be a kudos if the General Assembly puts that study together or an outrage if they don't.
0: Well, to stay (laughs) tuned, we're
1: going to get Harleen back for a lot of follow-ups.
2: Nick, what do you have this week? Well, my kudos of the week is to the governor for using the Constitution to her advantage uh, to exert, you know, the authority of the executive branch. <clears throat> uh, really, she's the, f- she's the first governor to really use uh, the muscle of the of the governor's office in that way since Bruce Sondland, who I thought was one of the great executive branch advocates in the governorship. So kudos to Governor... Um, to, to Governor Raimondo, she's done a good job on that, and uh, I wish her well. Great. Jim, what do you have?
3: I'm going to say, how do you really feel about that? <laughs> 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 you know, for the first time, I'm going to do a kudo, and uh, actually it might be a, more of a shameless plug. Um, uh, it's going to be to my organization, the NAACP Providence Branch, which on Friday, November 1st, at the Providence Marriott Orm Street, is having our annual gala, 106 years annual gala we're going to have six community leaders or activists that are going to be getting awards and our keynote speaker is going to be none other than deval patrick and you're invited you're invited you're invited matter of fact everybody's invited to the marriott to see the naacp freedom fund gala on november 1st so i guess it's more of a shameless plug than a kudo but Bravo. Sorry. Whatever, that's fine.
0: <laughs> Everybody's invited.
3: Uh, folks, let's go
0: to uh, national. Boy, I mean, every day you turn around and there's there's something new going on. Um, first, the impeachment inquiry. Jim, let me let me start with you yes. with the whole, and I know you had some comments. We were talking off camera about the whole, uh, Donald Trump, every time you talk, it's it's greater hyperbole and hyperbole, and some people like that, some people don't. When he used the word lynching, right. obviously you had issues with that. Well, you know, and it's uh, not
3: just Donald Trump. Right, with well, 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 the chosen one, the chosen one, Uh, President Trump, uh, you know, he's an equal opportunity offender, as long as there's a person of color, especially a black person. So in lynching, which is a charged word, he's conflating, you know, uh, something that white supremacists used in terms of terrorism against black people with something, impeachment in the Constitution. How can you conflate something like that? The Constitution versus terrorism? So, you know, obviously it was poor choice of words. Uh, He needs to apologize. I'm sure he won't uh, because his base won't stand for it. Uh, Biden, Uh, Vice President Biden 20
0: years ago, 20 years ago did it, but he's
3: apologized. Clarence Thomas with the high-tech lynching should apologize as well. He shouldn't be using it, and neither should Nadler or anybody. Uh, That history is so horrendous. Uh, The NAACP has done a study, and about 4,500 people were lynched between 1870 and Mm. 1958, I think it was. I mean, we're talking about Americans being killed by other Americans. You know, that is a very dark part of our history and to even suggest anything like that is despicable and is reprehensible and the president should know better.
0: Let's go to our lawyers about the impeachment inquiry Mm -hmm. and there's been a lot of, the the basic thing is the Republicans are saying all this is being done behind closed doors, Uh, you know, the president can't fight back, Uh, eventually
2: it'll be public. Nick, let's go to you first on this. Big mistake on the part of the Democrats, keeping it so covert and secret. People want to know what's going on. There's no question about that. And I think the president, for for all of, uh, you know, he makes plenty of mistakes uh, in the way he presents some of his ideas, but he's right on this. I mean, this is not the way it's been done. There's there's a paradigm to follow, Nixon and Clinton, uh, where it was a far more open process, and I really do believe what the the strategy is among the Democrats uh, beginning at the top with uh, Pelosi and Schiff is to do everything in secret and leak only the good tasty bites to the media. And it's really not fair to the president, and it's not fair to the American people. We should know what's going on. Is all of that just going to dissolve a a couple weeks from now when it is public? Uh,
1: Well, first of all, they have a perfect legal right to do it the way they're doing it. In the history of the United States, we've never had a president who has lied so frequently as Donald J. Trump. In addition to that, he has pressured everybody and subtly continuing to pressure the whistleblower, et cetera. So it's perfectly fine for anybody, like the House of Representatives, to treat it like it's a grand jury proceeding so people do not, in fact, tailor uh, their testimony. But And, as you point out, they're going to release all of this at the end of the investigation, and the public will know it at that point. So I don't take any issue with the way they're conducting it.
3: High crimes and misdemeanors. He admitted that he asked the Ukrainian president about joke about President Biden and his son. So that right there is game, set, match. He already admitted to the crime. You don't need a whistleblower. You don't need a quid, a pro or a quo. He misused his office, abuse of power, trying to get dirt on on, on a potential opponent in a future election. So he's guilty already. Now, but it's a political process. So with the impeachment, which is in the House, that vote will happen. I think the over or under is Thanksgiving. Okay, that's going to happen. He probably will be impeached. Then he'll go over to the Senate. Will they have a full vetting? It'll be a trial provided by the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. So he'll have his day in court there, and then we'll see what happens. But the process,
0: there are Republicans in there now. I know you think yeah. it's 45. being spo- spoon No, I'm talking about in these committees, yeah. the Oversight right. Committee yeah. and right. everything yeah. else. Right. Isn't this what the, the attorney general did with the Mueller report? He, he put his right. stamp of what people should be thinking about, not saying that it's right, but he put out the narrative before it really the full report was released. So the, it, it's kind of crocodile right. tears when the but Republicans the, the, the cry Mueller, about that. The
2: Mueller report was a completely different creature. It was not an impeachment. It was just a, an investigation of the president uh, taken up by... Um, the really by the Department of Justice through Mueller. This Fifteen is, seconds. This is what an, would
0: you like to see be done now? Oh, I have think, it all open I, right I, now?
2: Yeah, I think they should have open hearings. I think the, the American people deserve it. We can talk day and night about whether Donald Trump d- d- deserves something or not. But the American people deserve better than they're getting from the Democrats in Washington on their covert impeachment inquiry. Well, it's not even an inquiry.
0: Okay. It, to be continued folks thanks for joining us jim and arlene and nick that's the fastest 30 minutes i've had all week <laughs> thank you for joining us folks another uh another week we got have plenty to come back for next week join us next week as we'll have the very latest of what's going on locally and nationally here as the lively experiment continues have a great week Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by. For more than 30 years, a lively experiment has provided insight and analysis of important political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm
2: John Hazen White Jr. and I'm proud to support this great program in Rhode Island PBS.